This week on AARP, The Perfect Scam. For these groups to go after this generation, this, this age group, were the ones that trusted everybody. They thought of the goodness of people. My anger is that they're going after these folks. We should be taking care of these people. Welcome back to AARP, The Perfect Scam. I'm your host, Will Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, as always, the AARP Fraud Watch Network Ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, thanks for being here. Thank you, Will. And this week we have uh, a heart-wrenching story we'll, we'll get into. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask you briefly this idea that we've touched on uh, where people who are falling into a scam, uh, sending money in. It's almost like an addiction, it sounds like, from some people, almost like gambling or other types of addictions where maybe it's some degree of excitement or connection, what have you. Yeah, I think it can be become that, uh, that you start to believe in whatever it is that you're sending money in or you believe there's going to be some return promised you made by the people who are soliciting you. Or sometimes you just believe it's a legitimate charity and you think this is a a good charity I'd like to give money to, but it's just people using that charity's name with a P.O. box. They're not the actual charity, even if it's using a real charity's uh, name. So there's many motivations to why people would send money. And sometimes they're looking something in return. Sometimes they think they're doing good with it, but it turns out that they're being scammed. Let's get into today's story. We're going to hear uh, from MSNBC anchor Richard Louie and the story of his father. And a very good evening to you. I'm Richard Louie, live at MSNBC headquarters with breaking news that we've been following all day here on MSNBC. Richard Louie has been a news anchor at MSNBC for eight years. He lives and works in New York, but much of his time is spent back and forth to San Francisco, where he grew up and his parents still live. His 86-year-old father's Alzheimer's diagnosis has turned Louie's story into one of a caregiver. Is it fair to say that uh, tending to aging parents in San Francisco is not always easy from that far away? Oh, no, not easy at all. Uh, I, I do probably about half a million miles a year now. Um, I think that's like 40 or 50 times around the earth every, every year. Louis' father, Stephen, was born in San Francisco. His mother came to the United States as a child. They met when he was a young pastor in Sacramento. Eventually, he became a social worker and she was a school teacher. Uh, so, so your father was in in good health more or less yeah. throughout your life, mm-hmm. as, and, and your mother. Yeah, no. Yeah. Richard, along the way, your father experienced cognitive decline and was eventually diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Tell me about that experience for you, him, and your family. You know, uh, the, the the I think the moment where we knew it wasn't dad just being a little goofy. Um, you know, a little forgetful because he never was necessarily the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, that with my mom. Um, and he's, his sister, he grew up in a family of 13, uh, 12 siblings, I should say. Uh, he was like the youngest son. I think he was number eight overall. But the youngest in in the brood, uh, my aunt, Aunt Fanny, came over and said, Richard, I'm worried and during our, our uh, annual Christmas gathering – uh, where we have like 90 Louis gathering. That's I, all. I imagine. So my, my Aunt Fanny comes over uh, and says, Richard, can we talk outside? You know, we're all having a good time. Then she gets serious and she said, I'm, I'm worried about your dad. And Aunt Fanny and, and my dad were close. Um, and she says he's forgetting his siblings' names. Um, and so she was concerned. That's when I knew we 
should shift gears, right? Move from first to second gear, whatever gear we were in. We told him. He went in. The strange thing about the stereotype of this guy, my dad, being a man, was that he said, okay, sure, I'll go in and, and, and um, you know, get tested. <laughs> As opposed to, the, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Um, and I've, I've spoken with many folks out there who, uh, who encounter that. And, and so he went in. He got the diagnosis and they said, well, it's dementia potentially um, and we'll keep on monitoring. And that was how we found out. Um, and, and we would go back to the neurologist uh, year after year. And uh, probably within 2015, 16 is when things started to accelerate to a point that uh, would surprise, you know, for instance, his doctor. After that initial diagnosis and follow-up visits, Stephen Louie continued to decline as the disease took over. He moved into the first floor of their San Francisco row house and eventually into a skilled nursing facility. It was there that Richard, his mother, and his siblings rarely left his side, spending 16 hours a day at one time, making sure they were present for every meal and feeding. So the the commitment by the family and both the sibling set as well as um, my mother has been significant and I think um, really inspiring to see how you see how they've all you know stepped up to, to sacrifice time to hear about this is heartbreaking it's hard to digest on top of it and along the way your father is scammed for someone who is older and retired you know it's sort of the last people we want to hear about being scammed in this case couple it with cognitive decline and it takes on sort of an added level of evil it does it really does. And it is angering. It is, if there is a group of people, I would like to, well, do stuff that I wouldn't do to other people, uh, no matter how much I dislike them. For these groups to go after this generation, this age group, this, this age group were the ones that trusted everybody. They thought of the goodness of people. That, that's their generation. They tried to make – they tried to do something good. Not that our later generations like you and me are not good people, if you know what I mean. But they, they do represent that idea of a greatest generation, that idea of we work really hard and we do good things and that makes this a good place to live, this country, right? And we go out and we, we try to bring our values to the world to say that's what we do. And we don't expect that you would ever – Say, thank you. No, that's not why we do this. And then for these groups to go after them and take advantage of that trust, right? So when my father would come to me in the beginning of the scamming, it would be, Richard, here's this pile. And by the way, I'm holding a figurative pile in my hand right now. It's about four inches. And Richard, let me ask where he was in terms of Alzheimer's diagnosis. At oh, this point. is in terms of Alzheimer's maybe year one which means, you know, a level of one or two, which means that you and I could have a full conversation with him and everything would be fine, right? So relatively early on after. Yeah, early, right. Uh, but <laughs> this group coming after somebody who is still fully functioning, um, and, and I don't believe it was Alzheimer's related in terms of why I was doing this. This is more generational. Um, he would say, Richard, why, why wouldn't I be winning a million dollars if I sent them in a, a check for a dollar? Why wouldn't I do that, right? Because they're not going to lie. Why? It says it right here in black and white. I was like, 
No, um, times have changed. Um, just because it's there in black and white does not mean that this is real. But but it looks. Look at this. I said, no. The, why would they want to try to take advantage of me like that? What? what, what no. They are really trying to do that to you. And this was a stack of mail he was bringing yes. with different offers from various Th- that's different correct. groups? That's right. Different okay. groups. And I'd go, I'd say, Dad, throw them all out. It's garbage. Of course, he did not listen. <laughs> and so he replied to some of these? Yes, uh, he would. Sending uh, in money and hoping to, to reap the rewards. So, yeah, there, and there were several types of scams. Um, he would either send in a dollar or two or five in cash, or he would write a check. Now, the checks became problematic because they then had account information, right? And then, then they had a signature. Uh, they had addresses and uh, were able to set up recurring deductions from his checking account. And so the bank called and said, hey, you got some strange deductions coming out of your account. And my mom goes, uh, what do you mean strange deductions? And did she have a uh, – did they have a joint account or were they – did she have access to his account? Right. So they had a joint account and he had a separate account. Okay. And the separate account was because my mom said, eh, you need your fun money. That's your account. All right. Um, but they called the house and my dad's like, what do you mean? Handed it over to my mom because my dad was never quite that good with numbers. Um, and she says, what? And so the bank says, we're going to allow you to keep the account. Um, but you only can have a limit of 50 bucks or whatever it was. And if we see any more of this activity set, we're going to have to shut it down. So my, that's, that's $2,000 later. Holy cow. So scammers had already taken whatever information they needed to start siphoning money out of your father's account. That's right. And luckily, the bank got in touch with you and stopped it. Well, that's right. They did. Uh, And then... Or in touch with your mom. One touch of the... They called the house. Right. My dad's going, I don't know. How am I being scammed? What's going on? So my mom took the horns and and got it done. Um, And then the bank said, if this happens again, we'll shut it down. So again, within a year, they shut it down because my dad uh, continued to do it. He he just loved it. Like he's always loved mail. He's always loved getting these things and Reader's Digest and you'd order all these little knickknacks that were looked great in pictures, but then you got it and it wasn't ex- anything like the picture. Oh, he was like the perfect target then on top oh, of, yeah. on top of oh, being yeah. elderly and maybe a little forgetful. And, and trustworthy. But that that is that is what happened. They even went to the police station um, with one of the stacks. And my mom thought, okay, this will prove to him this is not good stuff, right? We're going to file a report. So they went down to the local police station, walk in there. The officer, who was very kind, said, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Louie, I, I, you can't do anything because you're not forced to do this, right? You were willingly sending in money because you trusted them. And they still filed the report. But um, it, but the the officer said, I know, I know you don't want to hear that, but my mom is going through the same thing and we couldn't do anything. And I'm a police officer. So um, th- that that was – it was important to do, but it does not result in anything. Uh, so your father is getting mail. Uh, you, your, your mom goes to the police station, but are with you – With my dad. Get- with my dad. With with your dad, are you still getting the sense, though, that he has not learned his lesson or doesn't want to? She was trying to say, look, see, Stephen, 
This is bad stuff. See, we're, we're at the police station, okay? Um, he's going, uh. So what he does is he starts to access money from the joint account. <laughs> and he's writing checks to himself to get his monthly allowance and still spending some of it uh, on these $1 or $2 scams, the, the cash ones. And then the calls start to come in. You know, it's hard enough for you and me to be on top of this stuff. You think about someone like your father being older and dealing with cognitive decline, and it's no wonder uh, that they become victims to scams like these. Yeah, and it's, it, it, it pisses me off. My anger is that they're going after these folks. We, we, we should be taking care of these people. Yeah. They, they built the stuff that we're taking advantage of today, all of them, all of them, each and every one. Of our, of our great senior citizen Americans have spent a lot of years making it better for us, you and me. And you're going to go do this? Oh, no. I'm not going to stand for that. I, I, that's why when uh, uh, you, you reached out, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll talk about this. Absolutely. The conversation is so important because it's not happening in a lot of families and a lot of communities. And so if we can simply talk about the fact that we're all getting older and Scammers aren't going anywhere. Those are two separate conversations, but they're closely entwined. And it seems like the more we talk about it, the more awareness is out there, the more comfortable we can be talking about it, the less shame there is surrounding it as well and embarrassment. Yeah. Um, I don't think my dad was very ashamed about it. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in his. My mom probably. Within yeah, his probably for my mom, you know, but it's, it's not like, you know, uh, like she was like, you know, saying everybody needs to hear about this, but and she knows now. In fact, I I called her right before I got to sit down with you, Will, yeah. and I said, "So, are we done with this, Mom? Did, did did we get it done?" Richard's mom eventually writes the scammers back, and the letters slow down. They hang up the phone. The calls stop, and as Richard's father got worse, he was no longer responding to mail or sending in checks. How much money do you think your father spent over time? Oh, it, it's a uh... or not spent, but how much do you think they? Siphon yeah, out of his right, right, right. I'd say you know we're talking about two to three thousand. Thousands, yeah, yeah. Okay, thousands, and two to three thousand is a lot for these folks. Yes, not only in real real terms, but also in from their frame of mind. Right, this is a time where a nickel was a nickel, right, and a, and a dime was a dime. Um, for us, it's just a dime. So I want to come back now to caregiving, but also talk about this has sort of become, for for us, as we talk to you, a, a dual-focused story. Our show is about scams, but as we've made very clear, it's often tied closely to getting older and dementia in some cases, and now it's part of your story with your father. It is a big part of my story. Why has it been so important for you or your mom or a sibling to be there as one of those for one of those two feedings every day? You know, because he would do the same. Hmm. Any ad. So you're you're there doing what your father would do for you. And yeah. it sounds like your family, everyone's doing that. Huh? Yep, absolutely. Richard Louie has made caregiving a cause. He's out there today making sure we are talking about it, celebrating it, and making sure the caregivers are getting the care they need. And in, in the process of making uh, this uh, an issue that people are talking about. What are you doing either within your career or outside of it, including doing things like talking to us uh, to get the, get the message out and talk about caregiving? Well, there's a, a, a bunch of things, um, but one is just talking about it openly. Um, sharing the pain actually is important. For, for I realize not only for myself, but also for others. 
um, and um, talking about the story and, and to the extent that me and my family um, are willing to, to care for him. And I think, you know, everybody's going to do it differently, but just do something, right? Um, and I think that just talking about it in that sort of simple way helps others to embrace the difficulty and the potential joy, the happiness too. Like we, we laugh a lot with my dad still. And I think the other thing that can be done is joining caregiving groups. Now, you know, I, I, for the Alzheimer's organization, I'm one of their celebrity champions talking about this stuff. And as I go to their, their conferences around the country or, um, and, and speak or be part of it, you can't even imagine the energy that is brought to bear. And it is belly laughs and it is on the floor crying ranges. And it is a way that I think people come together and realize and find their subgroups of caregivers and caregiving. And, 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 and what is unique to you, you find is not so unique, and, but is empowering. It's an honor to be a caregiver. And don't forget that. It's not a burden alone, as some might say. It is all said, and I'm not at the end of the journey, certainly. And we're at, we've gone through some difficult stages, but it is a true honor to be a caregiver. And I'm back with the AARP Fraud Watch Network ambassador, Frank Abagnale. Frank, uh, this story is about fraud and scams, but it's also about the decline of Richard's father and how someone with Alzheimer's is so susceptible uh, to something like this. Eventually, it got to the point where he wasn't even really doing mail, as, as Richard Louie points out, but maybe even before it got really bad. In some cases, people don't necessarily even recall that they sent in a check already that week, and they might send in one every day. Yes. And this is kind of a little change because in a way it's kind of a nice story that this is back to what we've discussed before, that Richard Louie is looking out for his dad, just yeah. like his dad looked out for Richard when he was a young young man. And so, again, this is a perfect example of being in, involved in your parents' life, knowing that your parent, your father has Alzheimer's and is uh, slowly losing their memory to make sure that no one's taking advantage of them. So. Richard was there to try to consult his dad and explain to his dad that these things aren't what they say they are, and it's unfortunate this is not back in 1950 or 1940. This is today, and there are people out there that want to take your money away from you. So I think it's kind of a nice story that Richard is showing you that you have to take interest in your parents and be involved in their lives to make sure they're not taken disadvantage of. But how do scammers go about finding someone who's older? Uh, you know, it used to be that if you were listed in the white pages, the regular phone I remember book those. Pages, yes. Yeah. I don't know if kids It will, was just but... – no, but it was a regular phone book. Right. So I looked up your name, Will Johnson, right. and I looked it up and all it told me is, Will Johnson, this address – and the phone number. Right. But because we live in a too much information world now, I have the internet. So if I go to white pages on the internet and I look up Will Johnson, who lives maybe in Virginia, 
and I basically came across his name, it tells me how old Will is. So it tells me Will's 80 years old, Will's 70 years old, Will's just 28. So all I have to do is go down and say, I'll check off this guy, he's 86. I'll check off this woman, she's 92. Uh, so again, this is the, pro- the problems with living in a too much information world and the fact that the internet and you can get this information so easily. They can just sort all those names right. out and choose and all the ones that are targets. 70 plus. Yeah, targets. I feel a little more incognito because of my name, say, than, than yours. I don't yes. know that that's good <laughs> yes. or bad, but... It, 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 no, that's good. Okay. Because there aren't a lot of Abignail. No, there's uh, probably uh, very if few. they are, right? they're related to me. So in the case of having Johnson, that's a, power, a good thing. <laughs> uh, so we've talked a little bit also previously b- b- before Richard's story that the idea of, uh, of not engaging, and eventually the, the scam calls died off because they stopped picking up the phone. I was interested also that his mother wrote the scammers back or, or at least wrote back to letters that were coming in and said, please stop. It seemed to work. Sometimes they're very bad people and sometimes they're just people uh, that are uh, posing as a charity or something and they don't want to cause any hassles for them. So once you start writing them a letter, they think, well, the next step, these people will go to the police. So they just go on to the next person, I mean, and move on because you're you're basically drawing attention to what they're doing. So, you know, I think that's all that was that was there. It was a good thing to, the, the wife did it, but that's pretty much what happened. They probably moved on because they're drawing attention to themselves. Do you hear stories about it must be harder for legitimate charities to request money from people these days? It is. And people are very suspicious that they are who they say they are. Even when you get all these law enforcement associations, you know, chiefs of police, a local police ball, a policeman's ball, all that. You have to say, is this really them or somebody just sent these letters out? And again, it's so easy to make something look so legitimate with all the graphic material that you can do on a computer. You can put all the logos and all the information on things I didn't have 50 years ago. Uh, you can simply do today and make it look so legitimate. People say, well, this must be from this uh, this group or organization. But that's why it's always important to go online and check if that is, in fact, a group. There's a contact number there. You call up, say, did you send me this solicitation? You mentioned tools that you didn't have 50 years ago. You just had to go to France and borrow a giant printing press, right, and, right. and pretend to be from Boeing. Yes, but even when I used to make up, you know, for me to make up a college transcript or whatever I did, I usually had to sit there and paste, cut and paste, cut the logo out and paste it on something and then cut something else out and paste it on something. And then I make a copy of it. You could never see the original because you know it was all pasted up. But I could run it on a Xerox machine and it looked like the legitimate copy and the legitimate letterhead and everything else. But today I could literally sit in front of a computer and just move that four-color logo to the letterhead done and friggin' minutes. done in a minute. Yeah, You're not jealous of scammers today, though? No, just want to know where they were 50 years ago <laughs> when I needed them. <laughs> not to make light or to uh, – well, not to make light of what you were doing, but you, there must have been some satisfaction in getting these things all done just perfectly and right that you could look at a check or a – diploma or whatever it was and say, hey, this looks It was a little bit of artistic that went into it and you thought yourself, wow, this is very creative. I can't believe I got this to look this good. Right. Frank's been working with the FBI for over 40 years now, so all that's behind him. You don't have to do that (laughs) stuff anymore. All right. Up next on The Perfect Scam, we would like to welcome back Jen Beam. She manages the Fraud Watch Network Facebook page. Jen, how are you? Hi, Will. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's that time of year when a lot of us are making vacation plans or have made vacation plans and are hitting the road in one way or another. And believe it or not, there are scams 
attached to vacation plans. That feels like almost one that's been around for quite a while, but they're thinking about new ways to trick us all the t- all the time. Yeah, because I think there's new ways to book travel now, right? There's lots of, you know, different sites like Airbnb and HomeAway, plus, of course, Craigslist. So there's different areas that they have definitely gotten into. And these scams target people like me who right. book last-minute vacations. Okay. So you go on, like, Craigslist or Airbnb or something like that to book a place to stay? Yeah, you finally get everything worked out, and you're like, hey, do you want to try to get away this weekend? Let's see what's out there. And you go and uh, look around, and you find a great deal. And usually uh, you'll see the description be, say, hey, we got a last-minute cancellation, so we're going to offer this half-off this week or um, definitely too-good-to-be-true prices and attached to just gloriously beautiful pictures, you know, like right on the beach, right on the lake. You, um, you know, Craigslist, you'll have, it'll be an email usually. They're not going to ask you to give them a call. It's a lot easier to scam someone when you don't actually speak to them over the phone. Uh, so oftentimes you reach out, they say, oh, yeah, it's a deal. And just wire me half the money or give me a credit card. Um, just put down the deposit. And then you show up and it's just not there. There's no vacation home on the beach. Oh, no. So you get there and uh, mm-hmm. it's just not happening. It's not happening. All right. So if you're booking a vacation online and you're going through like uh, shared housing websites that we've we've talked about a little bit or other organizations, you still have to be careful. I mean, obviously, they put a lot in place to safeguard people, but it's not always 100 percent safe. That's right. I mean, there are unscrupulous people everywhere. Uh, so you have to do your research. And so even if you're looking last minute, really be careful. And one of the easiest things you can do is um, do a rever- reverse image search on those images. And oftentimes you'll find them. Uh, scammers may be devious, but sometimes they're lazy. Uh, the other thing you can do is if there's a direct address, um, punch that into um, you know, a, a map uh, a map app and see see what comes up. Um, and you really want to talk to someone on the phone. So if you're um, dealing with a last-minute deal, don't just uh, communicate by text or email. You really want to speak to a person. Jen mentions a reverse image search. You can easily do that by just right-clicking on an image and clicking on Google Image Search and find more examples of where this property might actually be listed on the web. All right, Jen Beam, thanks again. Jen Beam manages the Fraud Watch Network Facebook page. All right, I'd like to thank uh, so much uh, Richard Louie, MSNBC News anchor Richard Louie, who told us all about his father and what he went through and all that he's doing for caregiving and, and making that a real cause. And I want to thank my co-host, the AARP Fraud Watch Network Ambassador Frank Abagnale, once again for uh, joining us. Thanks, Will. It's great to be here. If you'd like to get more information about caregiving, and more resources about caregiving, you can visit aarp.org slash caregiving. And for more resources on how to protect yourself or a loved one from becoming a victim of a scam, visit AARP's Fraud Watch Network website, aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. Thanks to the team here at AARP, Julie Getz and Brooke Ellis, and sound engineers Julio Gonzalez and Steve Bartlett. For AARP, The Perfect Scam, I'm Will Johnson. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about 
whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit americourt.gov slash your moment today. <laughs> 